This is ContraZoom, a live in limbo production. This is ContraZoom, where we go back and forth about film. Today is our big Oscar extravaganza where we're going to talk about uh, who we think is going to win, who we think should win, who was snubbed, all that great stuff. Uh, as always, from now on, I am joined by the ContraZoom co-host du jour, Rachel Gordon. How are you doing today? Hello, hello, hello. I'm recovering from a cold, so if I sound a little off, that's why, but I am ready, ready to deconstruct this Oscar nomination list. You're always ready to talk about film, aren't you? <laughs> I really am. <laughs> and then also joining us today is uh, someone who has been on this show many times by now and uh, sees all of the movies before anyone else does because she lives her life at the Toronto Film Festival, and that's Mahesh Saihi. <laughs> How are you doing tonight? <laughs> I'm good. That is like such an accurate description of my life. It's literally I just spend a week at TIFF. I see... 30 movies and I'm done for the year. <laughs> but I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm good. I'm pretty sure by now, uh, if you have business cards, your your home address should just be Tiff Bell Lightbox. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if Cameron Bailey is okay with it, then I'm okay with it. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's get right into this. This is going to be a lot of fun. So the way this format is going to work is... Uh, the categories have sort of been organized, not to necessarily say some are uh, least important of the group, but may, but sort of ramping up towards the, the big award of the night, which is the Best Picture nominee. What we're going to do is we're each going to take turns talking about the categories of who we feel may have been snubbed, as in they did not get a nomination, who we would personally would love to win this category of the ones that were nominated, and, of course, who will win. And that's more based on, you know, looking at history, what other awards are being picked up by these films, things like that. So it's super scientific and not at all just completely made up on the spot, right? <laughs> completely. Totally. Such science. All right. I'm glad you two are as confident as I am right now of making a <laughs> fool of ourselves. Uh, so let's get started with, uh, unfortunately, we don't really have anything to say about the documentary shorts and the live action shorts. I do plan on checking some of them out but we have nothing to say about that yet but rachel has a lot to say about the animated shorts so because mehek and i have nothing to say rachel the floor is yours all right i'll try to keep this short but um as a student and lover of animation this is a big category for many reasons now as in this um format we're going to do you know snub who we think should win who will win now snub in this category is hard because animated shorts are everywhere right now. You know, experimental animation, narrative form animation um, is usually easier to do in a short film context. So you see animated shorts all the time, which is fantastic. It just makes it hard to point down one snub for the category. Now, who should win? So in this category, what we have is we have a production called Blind Vaisha, production called Borrowed Time, one called Pear Cider and Cigarettes, 
one called Pearl and one called Piper. And I'll talk a little bit about each of these. Now, who should win, I believe, should be Borrow Time. Now, IMDb's little description is an experienced sheriff returns to the location of an accident that changed him forever and left him traumatized. When all the painful memories come flooding back, faced with his mistake once again, he is forced to dig deep down into the stamina to carry on. This was made by two people who work in Pixar's animation department, Andrew Coates and Lou Hamulajat. And but this is not a Pixar Disney short. This is their doing. They made this. Largely because it is much darker than anything that we see Pixar and Disney put out um, in kind of theme and how heavy it is emotionally. And it's just beautifully done. The animation is fantastic. You see a little bit of Pixar, but it's a little grittier than that. And it's just rendered so well, and the story is done so well. So I believe Borrowed Time is great. And even though this is a competitive category, there's lots of good stuff this year. I think that I would like them to win. When it comes to who will win, I think it will either be Piper or Pearl. Now, Piper is the, you know, every year we have one, it is the Disney Pixar short. It's a mother bird trying to teach her little one how to survive in the water. It's adorable. You watch it, you go, oh, that's so cute. And Disney Pixar has a lot of turf in this category. They have won many, many times. I could also see Pearl winning. Now, Pearl is a story of this car. It's a hatchback and a father raising his daughter in this car, traveling musician, and then she becomes a musician. This was made in 360-degree VR-compatible format. And once in a while, the Oscars likes to throw a nod to kind of new innovation, um, things along these lines. And because it's kind of a, it's a lovey-dovey, happy, good-feeling story, of a father and his daughter, I can see this winning. Pearl Cider and Cigarettes, a different nominee, is about a true story of a man trying to help his alcoholic friend. That would never win. This is a category where we like heartfelt, happy things, straight off, even if the animation was good. And I'd say it's, um, it's, it's relatively good. It's not great. It's not super innovative. So that wouldn't win, first off. Um, now, Blind Vaisha... I think could be a dark horse. And the reason is that this is a Canadian national film board film and the NFB has history in this category. The NFB has actually won quite a few in the animated short film department. We're kind of known actually as a nation, little known fact for our innovative animation. And this is really a beautiful experimental film. So it could come up and win. I don't think it will. This year, I think it's going to go to something a little happier, more lovey-dovey. But the National Film Board has come out from nowhere a few times, has done some cool experimental things. So for that reason, I can see it winning. Wow. (laughs) Okay, uh, I'm going to take your word on that, uh, and I'm not going to start an argument. My word. Um, yeah, so I think once I catch up with the animated shorts, I might have a bit more of an educated opinion. But uh, for now, I'm just nodding my head going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, moving on. Uh, you seem very knowledgeable in that, and I trust your opinion. Um, 
I so, appreciate that trust. <laughs> blind trust. Um, <laughs> so we're going to start with uh, some of the smaller categories. So we're going to start off with best sound mixing. Um, now we're also right after this going to do best sound editing. But for those that do not know the difference, sound mixing refers to the mixing of the music, the dialogue, the sound effects, that there's a nice balance and everything like that. Whereas sound editing has to do with basically everything except for dialogue and music. So the sound Sound effects that you hear, uh, a car, a gun, explosions, things like that, that is sound editing. So for now that we've established that, let's start out with best sound mixing. Mehek, run us through your snubs, who should win and who will win of this category. Um, to be honest, I haven't seen majority of the films in this category, so I didn't really have any snubs um, when it comes to mixing. But I just you know, based on my own experiences of seeing the two films that I have seen, which are La La Land and Rogue One, Star Wars Story, I just feel like La La Land really, and we're going to talk about La La Land a lot, I'm sure, over the next little while, but I feel like in terms of balancing the actual score of the film with the musical elements, so right from the opening stretch on that highway all the way through these really beautiful um, background pieces um, which sort of bring us into this colorful, colorful world that Damien Chazelle put together. Um, I thought it was just a very natural, natural process. Um, it never felt disjointed, and I think they blended really well into one another. And it's so distinct, right? Like even going back to that highway scene when you, you know, the, they wrap up the song, and then immediately you hear these really sharp honks, and you you're in there, you're in this moment, you're like you're on that highway in LA, which is you know people have heard about the traffic there you've ever been in a traffic jam you know how annoying it is and you you're in that moment with these two stars and i think that's part of any technical element is how how does it bring you into the film so i just feel like la la land will should win and it will probably win sounds good uh as far as my choices go uh you're probably going to hear me talk quite a bit over this episode regarding uh, my appreciation of Doctor Strange from a technical level. I think this was a film that probably was snubbed for this category. I think it does some really interesting things, uh, both visually, but the sound effects are really integral to a lot of what is going on to make you believe this world. Uh, as As far as who I think should win, while I'm really not a fan of Hacksaw Ridge overall, uh, I'm a bit of a sucker for the sound effects in war movies, and I think what goes on in this movie, they do a really, really great job as far as that goes. But who will win? You know, Mahek, you basically completely summed up why La La Land is going to be the front runner for a lot of these technical awards, uh, and the sound mixing was definitely one of the reasons because of that. Rachel? Well, for mixing, um, when it comes to snubs, there's nothing really that I can point out um, and say, hey, that was a snub, because unfortunately I'm not in sound. I don't pay that much attention to the mixing. That said, what, who I would like to see when, this is going to be one of my themes, is what the Academy usually does versus what I think they should do. Now, um, in mixing, I think, you know, we see La La Land. This is an audio-heavy movie, so they're going to go, oh, there's a lot of singing mixing bring that vocal in bring all that in Land should win and i think that they will win but i really like arrival for this the reason i think arrival should win is because 
this film does some really interesting things with the audio. In the moments when um, the translator is, the, the communication expert is with the aliens interacting with them, they do make some very subtle noises. There's a lot of heaviness in the space and breathing. It's just very much an atmospheric thing achieved with really good, subtle touches um, on mixing. And I think that it should win. I don't think it will. I think La La Land will win. But I think that it is, um, though it was nominated, I don't think it was really taken seriously for. And I wish it had been because I think it really has some phenomenal mixing. All right. That sounds good. Um, now, I don't know about how either of you feel but as far as sound editing goes. My my comments remain the same. I think my, my snub is Doctor Strange, who should win is Hacksaw Ridge, and who will win is La La Land. Mahek, are your uh, choices the same? Not quite. And again, in this category, I've actually only seen La La Land. And I actually, based on what I've kind of heard and, you know, what I've seen online and everything, I have a feeling that Hacksaw Ridge might take this mm-hmm. one because I've heard about how sharp the sound editing is and it is a, a war-centric film and I've also been told it's incredibly violent. Um, but I've, I've, from what I know, it's very, very finessed in this sense and they really hit every single sound that you might encounter in that environment. So... I could see it taking this, like, I could see it taking the sound editing category over La La Land. Okay. Rachel? Um, I agree. I think that sound editing is a category that, um, I think for sound mixing, that's more toward where we're going to see again La La Land, because, oh, we have the vocals, we have this, we have that. I think sound editing really favors war movies. I think it favors movies with a lot of louds and a lot of rah. And so I really do think that Hacksaw Ridge could take this one. I, I, I just think it's a proclivity of the Academy to favor movies. I mean, makes sense. Again, war movies that tend to do have these lamb jarring sounds. And if they're dealt with well, I find that they usually win. So I agree with Mac. I think that Hacksaw will probably take this. Yeah, and I'm just thinking back to like two years ago, I think, when American Sniper won. And I was really exactly. like, what? And then but I, it's I thought, it's a war okay. movie, right? yes, American Sniper is a war movie as well. So I, I was kind of like, okay, I see it now. I get like after a little while, I was like, okay, I get it, and that's why yeah. I'm kind of leaning towards Hacksaw Ridge as well. Exactly, it's like these patterns that the Academy abides by, and mm-hmm. I think this is one of them. Yeah, I think for me, the only reason why I I did not pick Hacksaw Ridge for this category is because a lot of the time they sort of go hand in hand they don't always it's not as steadfast as as say you know editing and director predicts best picture but it's a little bit close it's it's a safer bet to assume they will both go to the same film than that they will be split up but at, at the end of the day you're you're coming very close to just flipping a coin as as to that now Moving on, we've got Best Original Score. So this is for the whole music, not necessarily um, as far as La La Land goes, the, the songs that are, are sung in it, but the background music and the composition and things like that. So, Rachel, let's start with that. What are your snubs? Who should win and who will win? All right, so I think that my snub for original score was Tiki Waititi's um, Hunt for the Wilder People. 
Uh, this, for people who don't know, is just this beautiful movie set in New Zealand, as most of his films are, uh, about this boy, Ricky, who's adopted, and then um, the, by a couple, the woman dies, child services try to come take him, and he and the husband escape off into the wilderness to hide from them. Really great atmospheric score, really fun score, and I think you know, this is a film that I loved this year that got no attention from the Oscars, and I wish it had, because it's a really great great movie, and it has a great score. Now, who should win? Now, I am not the hugest fan of La La Land, but nonetheless, I have to admit, you know, it's not a bad score. It's singing heavy movies, so obviously you have to have a pretty strong average score, and I think it does, at the same time, Moonlight is great. Again, talking about atmospheric scores, I think it has a beautiful one. Uh, I think that I'm going to come back to this point a lot where Moonlight does more subtle things than La La Land does, and I predict that La La Land will win in this category because it is such a score movie. It is a musical, so they're going to say, oh, it's a musical, has the best score, whereas a movie like Moonlight, where where the music has more to do with contributing to the plot and the atmosphere in subtle ways will be overlooked. So I wish it was Moonlight, but I think it will be La La Land. All right. Mahek, what about you? I'm I'm almost scared to to mention my snub because I you know it's a film that started off really well in 2016 and then as the year progressed it just completely it was completely wiped off the entire Oscar and Awards conversation and that radar. But it, nonetheless, um, one of the scores that kind of struck me really early on in TIFF, a.k.a. My Second Home, um, was from the film The Birth of a Nation, um, which, you know, a lot of people know about the controversy surrounding it. But solely focusing on the score, uh, it was produced uh, and composed by this gentleman named Henry Jackman. He has done work for the Captain America films, The Winter Soldier and For Civil War. Uh, He did Captain Phillips. He worked on X-Men First Class. So he's got quite a few big titles under his um you know under his belt he's really well known for working with Hans Zimmer like he he kind of was mentored by him which is really cool and on um the birth of a nation score he just there's this real vibrancy um to the use of the african percussions that he included on there and it pairs really well with some of the scenes in the movie um i know you know it's not necessarily everyone's favorite film to talk about but in terms of the score there was some really beautiful work there um, and I'm really, I, that could be my own personal preference as well. Cause I really do pull towards those sort of really, um, traditional or sort of, um, you know, these like really ha- heavy percussion sounds. So I just, I, it really stood out to me, um, from the moment that I watched that film and I kind of wish that, you know, it, it was one of the elements that didn't get lost throughout the entire year. Um, when I look at the other nominees for this category, I like, I agree with Rachel. There's such a beautiful subtlety to the work that was done for Moonlight. Um, And I would almost say that that would be the score that I would want to win. But there's, again, there's something about La La Land that just totally drew me in. And like I said about the sound mixing, it it just flows so naturally with the actual numbers in the film. And it it brought another element to the character of the film as well. And I, I think if it enhances the experience, then... To that extent, then it, it definitely deserves to win, and it probably will win. Um, I just I have a feeling it's going to take that category. 
All right. Um, for me, my snub was uh, the score from Arrival. This is one that I really loved, and unfortunately, uh, it was disqualified because they said it did not have enough original work in it, that Johan Johansson's uh, music... I can't remember the exact details, but it wasn't composed solely for this film, and they decided to disqualify him for that. And it's a shame because it would have been a three-peat for him for getting three nominations in a row. In 2015, he was nominated for The Theory of Everything. In 2016, he was nominated for Sicario, Denis Villeneuve's last film. And now, again, with Rival. I think it did some really wonderful things uh, playing with the conventions of, of sci-fi and sort of that thriller almost horrorish element while still keeping the film really grounded uh, although rachel i am really happy that you mentioned hunt for the wilder people that is one of my favorite movies of last year and i'm glad you gave it some love because unfortunately it's not gonna come up for me at all in this episode which is a bit of a shame because maybe going back i probably should find some ways to shoehorn it in um as far as who i think should win i really think moonlight i i think there's a bit of uneasiness in the music and some real tension and it does wonders to really craft this story that you never know what is actually going to be happening next and there's a real mystery involved as far as who will win i think it's pretty obvious that it's going to go to la la land um rachel you and i talked about this category a bit when uh, we were discussing la la land and this is just seems like it's going to be one of the easiest wins for them throughout the whole night uh original score it just seems it's too obvious for them not to win it really um yeah so then now let's go on to best original song i think i'll actually start this category off uh my snub is from the movie called sing street uh it was a movie directed by john carney who did once and begin again and the song from once actually won uh years ago seems like over a decade now for the song i believe it was called falling slowly it was beautiful. And then, so I've decided to choose the song Drive It Like You Stole It from Sing Street. It was this great homage to these great 80s bands. And every time this young boy was being exposed to new music from his older brother, his next song that he would write would seem to take on the characteristics of these bands. So it really is this great homage to, to 80s pop and rock music. As far as who I think should win, it's pretty much a, a no-brainer that of these five songs, City of Stars is is the best one. And, and who will win? It, it comes down to City of Stars as well. They use it throughout the film of la la land and using different keys for sometimes you only hear a few notes of it but it's just it's going to be such an iconic song and one that's really remembered as far as musicals go um heck what about you so for best original song i think the one really apparent snub to me and i, I was i was really shocked by it, to be honest, um, was the absence of Pharrell's work on hidden figures, um, particularly Run-In. It's such a, like, oh, it's just got that, like, real, like, staccato, like, upbeat kind of thing, and it makes you really feel like you're, like, on the go, um, that kind of, that kind of emotion when you're listening to it. Um, I also, like, I think back to Tiff, and they, it's funny because they did this huge, like, PR launch, um, for Hidden Figures at the festival, where they previewed like half an hour of the film. And then Pharrell had this mini concert um, in the center of the entertainment district in Toronto. And 
it just it feels like they wanted to push this music and they they did this huge thing and then the conversation kind of stopped after that and I, I I don't quite understand why that is because Pharrell is so incredibly talented we we know this like we saw his work with Happy and we've seen his work on films like Dope like as a music producer and you know just as an artist in general and I think he did some really great work for Hidden Figures um, in a way that kind of you know the music fit into your experience of the film. I know I'm, I keep repeating these words, but I keep going back to that. Um, but it also, it, it, it brought this, like, this, like, I don't know, this, this funness, this levity to it, um, for a situation and a time that was really challenging. And so I, I was surprised when it was snubbed. Um, when we were looking at the nominees for this category this year, I'm not going to lie. I kept thinking to myself, I'm like, is the Zayn and Taylor Swift song going to qualify like from the 50 shades soundtrack? Cause I was like, it happened for the weekend. And then I realized it came out this year. So it's probably going to happen for Taylor and Zayn next year. Um, but looking at the, uh, the uh, nominees, I, you know, La La Land is going to win something. Do I think it should be city of stars? I am actually in probably the small pool of people who doesn't. And that's not because I don't love City of Stars. I really do. Um, and again, as Dakota said, it's it's pushed throughout the film. It's, you know, there's different takes on it. And it's a really simplistic but memorable tune that you can, you know, that I find myself singing all the time. But I just think in terms of the actual presence and performance, I, I found that Emma Stone's moment at the end of the film really struck a bigger chord with me. Um, in terms of how I experience, I, I need to stop saying experienced over and over again, um, in terms of, you know, the character and the actual movement of the plot towards the end of the film and how it kind of comes together. Um, but it probably will be City of Stars. I would not be surprised. I'm expecting it. So that's that. All right. And Rachel? Well, I agree with both of your snubs. Um, Pharrell is just a phenomenal producer, singer, artist. He's amazing. And I agree, his work was an essential part of Hidden Figures and should have been acknowledged. Also, didn't even think of Sing Street for this, which is ridiculous. Drama Like You Stole is my favorite song from that movie. What a great film. But I didn't make that my original song snub. No, Dakota. I went back to our favorite, Hunt for the Wilder People. Now, if we could have it added in really quickly, because it's 49 seconds in post-production, <laughs> there is a song from that movie called the Ricky Baker Birthday Song. Ricky Baker, now you are 13 years old. You are a teenager and you're as good as gold. Ricky Baker. Ricky Baker. Happy birthday. Once rejected, now accepted by me and Hector, a trifecta. Ricky Baker, ah, Ricky Baker, ah, Ricky Baker, ah, ah, Ricky Baker, ah, ah, Ricky Baker, ah, ah, Ricky Baker, ah, ah, Ricky And the woman who adopts him sings it at the table when it's his birthday. And it is the most wonderful song by Julian Dennison and Rima Tawaita. And it's, I don't know, it just makes me so happy. And I think it should have been it's only 49 seconds. And they deserve the nomination. Fantastic. Puts a smile on my face. And hopefully we can put it in so people can hear it. Because it's great. Um, now, who should win and who will win? I... I can see both sides for this because audition is, I think, a more 
kind of powerful song from an emotional and personal standpoint. We get a lot more character in that. I think City of Stars will win because, as Dakota pointed out, it is this that will will be known, you know, for forever and is very iconic for this film and for musicals and kind of for the time it wanted to evoke. I'm not sure which I think should win. I think they both have their merits. But City of Stars, undoubtedly, in my mind, will win this category. So we have no hope for Justin Timberlake. Oh, God, no. No. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I, I can imagine. I can't. I can't. I can't do it. Justin Timberlake just busts out, dressed as one of the trolls. <laughs> he can't stop the feeling in the middle of the Oscars. That's all I can see. It's funny because when Can't Stop the Feeling first came out, I remember how people reacted and they were so excited and they're like, oh, this dose of positivity is what I need. And I'm like, that's exactly what all of you said about Happy by Pharrell. And then you all hated it by the end. <laughs> and then, and then it also hated it. Also hated it. <laughs> so, <Okay>. I mean, <laughs> maybe this will be a nice wrap up, but it probably did Happy get an Oscar nom? I'm pretty sure no. it did. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Well, there you go. It's just another in a line of, it's like, I feel like these songs are catchy enough to get nominated, but by the time the Oscars come around, they're so overplayed that no one can stand to think about them for another second. Yeah, There was a a real issue with um, Can't Stop the Feeling because it came out what seemed like six months before the film. And then by the time you're completely sick of it, you're like, hey, wasn't it from that movie Trolls? I, I, did that movie ever come out? And then you didn't realize it's like, nope, it's coming out in two more months. And so like by and by this point, it seems like the song's been out for almost a year. Yeah, definitely. I remember Justin it's Timberlake and like- Anna Kendrick like being on this endless press tour for this movie. And I'm like, when is this? Co- like, Is this a thing or is it just like? something they're doing for kicks like i don't know <laughs> yeah and it, i feel like that's just it's the style that more movies are adopting and i feel like it's just foolhardy almost every time you reach peak saturation and interest yeah like a month and a half before the film comes out and then the film comes out and everyone's like aren't we done with this already hasn't it come out like two months ago no mm-hmm. no it hasn't especially with the release of this song because it came out during the summertime yes mm-hmm. yes. yes all right Moving on, we've got best makeup and hairstyling. So, Rachel, let's start with you. Who is your snub, should win, and will win? No, I didn't have a snub for this one. Um, I think I was... This is a year... This is a bad year for me predicting Oscars, because in general, I kind of retreated into a lot of old movies. So I didn't really have a noticeable snub. Now, I feel strongly about who should win, and this is, again, falling back into my proclivity to be the old man shakes fist at sky when it comes to the Oscars and their habits because a man called Ove is a beautiful film. It is a phenomenal film. Just, um, especially in terms of the aging of the characters and the makeup on the actors and actresses. And I think it really should win. It's not going to win. Star Trek beyond or suicide squad are going to win because they are more makeup and hairstyle. Look at the costumes and the makeup and the hairstyle. Look, these are characters. And, an, and again, a man called Ohoy is more subtle. It could be Dark Horse. I feel as though costume and makeup, they usually go by these conventions, but once in a while, they're kind of do a nod to the subtlety. So this is an area where I can maybe see it pulling through. I don't think it will. I think it should. 
Okay, then. Uh, Mahek, what about you? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I went with, for a snob, I was just, I was trying to think of, like, you know, what movies came out or what are, what are, what are some of those, like, really obvious picks for this category? And then I, I looked at some of the work from Alice through uh, The Looking Glass, and I was like, you know, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that a film like that, which has such... Um, you know, these like really eccentric characters. And then of course, Johnny Depp with this really elaborate like face paint and um, you've got Helena Bonham Carter in there. And it's just like, it's this really like stark looking makeup or like, you know, this like really like brighten in your face and like all this vivid color. And I'm surprised, like I, I was a little surprised to see that, you know, beyond the merits of the actual film itself, that that expertise didn't really get, um, get acknowledged in this category and I I kind of have realized that you know I haven't really seen best makeup and hairstyling get more than three nominees or like I don't is that a thing is that a like standard for this category or it, it seems yeah. yeah there's basically only ever three and I think it's damn frustrating that there are some so super talented makeup and hairstylists that do not get the recognition because for most films at the Oscars it's never about the winning it's about getting the recognition that they deserve and getting the name out there and especially mm-hmm. since in the makeup and hairstyling category you'll get a lot of the blockbuster effects so you know suicide squad is one of the nominations and same as star trek both of those really big popcorn movies that on the surface is not the type of movie that people respect but if you can point out hey suicide squad and star trek had really great makeup we should at least acknowledge when a film does something right and you have people pushing their professions to new boundaries and Mm -hmm. so it's Uh i find it very disrespectful that they do not do five nominees when like come on you can't think of two (coughs) more movies to nominate that have makeup and hairstyling that's that's bs yeah that is ridiculous you're right Mm -hmm. Um, with that being said, I think that based on the category or the nominees that we do have here, I do think Suicide Squad should win. And I do think that they will win. Um, I, when I look at even just Margot Robbie in that Harley Quinn outfit, Harley Quinn outfit, I'm like, I've seen it everywhere after that. Right. It's this, and it's not necessarily like the most difficult work, but it's definitely, strong enough that it's now made it iconic in its own way right um i feel like it just it helps enhance the character and really push that sort of um the sort of image of this like really badass chick you know holding the baseball bat she's got these dyed hair tips and i obviously it's based on the comic book but i think the realization of the original character was so successful that now you know everyone from like people in college who are going to those Halloween parties to people as young as my nine-year-old cousin are obsessed with her. Right. And they love this like really cool, like standout chick. Um, you know, then I look at things like killer croc and how they did all this elaborate makeup work on, on that character and some of the prosthetics and stuff like that. Um, Diablo, like with all the tattoo work, like it's it that type of detail and effort takes hours to produce. Um, and it just, it really made these characters stand out as the unique individuals that they are supposed to be um, in Suicide Squad. And then, of course, you can't forget Jared Leto with all of his crazy makeup. And, you know, he went the extra mile and actually dyed his hair green. But it just, it all came together really nicely and fully realized this really um, interesting band of misfits on screen. So I think they're going to be recognized for that. I think that it's 
it's definitely going to win. I think you both made some really great points. As far as my snub goes, uh, I originally was going to say Doctor Strange again, um, but I'm going to switch it instead to do Rogue One. I think just about all of the main characters in the Rogue uh, had some really great hair work going on. You know, the makeup was probably a little more minimal. That's not very noticeable, um, but they all definitely had some great hair and some of the bad guys had some interesting makeup as well. Uh, as far as who should win and will win, I'm, I'm right on the same page as you, Mahek. I think Suicide Squad is the one to really beat. Um, while the Joker's makeup was probably ill-conceived and, and not really that great, it was executed perfectly. It looked great. It looked real. Um, so any comments are more from an aesthetic purpose, not from a uh, proficiency purpose side of things looking at that way. Uh, and Rachel, I, I do think a man called Uve had some really good, strong makeup. And it's, it would be nice if, you know, the subtler things would win. Uh, unfortunately, I think it will end up being, you know, the, the over-the-head, brash boldness yeah. of Suicide Squad. Um, moving That's on. That's fair. And you make a... You- Sorry, make, what were you saying? I was just going to say you make a good point with the fact that I'm a lover of kind of like some of the comic characters. I think a part of me was pretty bitter about Suicide Squad. So I feel like there was kind of like a weird like hot topic type thing going on. But you are right in that that's aesthetic, that's not execution, and it was executed very well. Mm-hmm. And it was a terrible movie. Like I don't think anyone's going <laughs> to yeah. claim that it's a good movie. That was probably one of the single worst movies I've ever seen. Um, so bad. But I like, mean, it wasn't that bad. Uh, don't, don't. But like, wasn't it though? <laughs> in, in like all the ways, we can do a whole separate podcast about like this. I could do like three podcasts about this. But <sighs> Rachel, I want to continue liking you. Let's not have this fight. <laughs> Um, we it- can all agree that it was very cool. Toronto was in the film. Yeah, that was cool. All right. Okay. All <laughs> Toronto's in so many films. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mag, we'll give you that. <laughs> City of stars, are you shining just for me? There's so much that I can't see Who knows I felt it from the first embrace I shared with you That now our dreams may finally come true Okay, uh, now let's go to best editing. Best editing is a lot of times a real precursor for who is going to win best picture. A lot of the times the nominees line up exactly, and sometimes, and, and almost always the winner of editing also wins best director and best picture. Although there is always some exceptions to that rule. We'll have to see how that goes this year. Uh, Mahek, what about you? What are your thoughts on this category? Oh gosh. Um, I, I couldn't really, I couldn't think of any snubs when I was, you know, when, again, when I was reflecting. Um, but when I look at the nominees, uh, to me, the, like, if I had my heart's way, Moonlight would take this award. I, I just think that that film 
you know, when it tackles this, this young boy's life over the course of his entire lifetime and separates the story um, between three actors, um, three different settings, three different segments of this character's life. And the way it was all sewn together and you see this progression and you see his trials and his, and also how he in some cases regresses, but it, it just, it fit together so seamlessly. Um, the way the story was stitched together, the, the visual editing of it as well. I mean, there's like all this, all this beautiful production, which I, I know kind of falls into a different category, but it, it, it just, it felt right. It, you felt the continuity, even though there were so many shifts in terms of the person who was represent or the people rather who were representing the characters and reflecting the, um, the state and the journey of, of Chiron and of the people around him. Um, and I, I think, you know, part of that is obviously on, you know, on the shoulders of the cast who were able to deliver that. But I, I do think that the editing in the film um, made it a clean, clean experience and seamless to be able to go through this entire journey without ever really feeling that shift in each chapter. So I, I would like I would like Moonlight to win. Do I think it's going to win? I know the Academy has this obsession with films about Hollywood. And so I have a feeling that La La Land will end up taking this category as well. That's not to say that they don't deserve it. Um, it is, you know, again, it, it's, it's a beautifully edited film from the vibrancy of it, the colors, the sort of pacing of the film. Um, you're fully on board with it from the very get go. And you fall into these two lives uh, so quickly. And I, I love how they kind of, you know, we, we start off with Emma Stone's character um, before we get into Ryan Gosling's character and the way they sort of intertwine their stories and then also revert back so that we we connect with both of them as individuals before we connect with them as a couple. I, I love how they did that and how they how they tied it together. And then, you know, we continue to see these these individual trajectories as well as their trajectory as a couple um, throughout the film. So it was it was edited really beautifully as well. I just. I wish Moonlight would get it, but it will probably be La La Land. Okay. Rachel? Similarly, I don't really have a snub for this one. Moonlight should win. I feel like we're all going to be in agreement over this. As many call it the better boyhood, the way that the story is blocked off into almost kind of like book one, book two, book three, reflecting the age of the selves and how that's done in a way that doesn't seem overly harsh, despite the fact that it is these huge jumps. It's just smart editing. It's respectful editing that's integrating itself with the story and not calling attention to itself. It's just editing done well. It's a film that's done well. And I mean, it's many component parts are what make it a flawless piece. And editing is just one, but a very important one. And Moonlight should win. Who do I think will win? I think that I don't know. I think that this one is one tied so closely to Best Picture that I'm going to save most of my comments for that to when we get closer to that category. Okay. Um, for me, I had a, I had a tough time deciding who I think my biggest snub was. Originally, I was going to go with Jackie. I really liked the, the time-shifting narrative that was going on with lots of flashbacks. But in the end, I'm picking The Handmaiden, a movie I'm also going to talk about a bit mm. later. Um, but the idea that the movie basically plays out almost entirely in the first half and then it shows the entire movie again but 
from different perspectives and with a couple extra nuggets of information thrown in at each scene and it just completely changes the movie in a, in a way that's was unheard of for me and it was so crazy that i really wish it got some recognition this year um as far as who should win you're right rachel we are all in agreement that we think moonlight should win Mahek, i think you said it best with continuity uh the three chapters have such great continuity if it wasn't for things like uh flip phones you wouldn't you would never be even be able to tell what years these three chapters take place in um and, and another part about editing is pacing and knowing when not to make cuts, when not to make edits. And, and there's quite a few moments in Moonlight where the camera lingers, where the scene stays and is quiet and lasts a little bit longer than it should on the surface. But you realize that everything is by design and that not having quicker edits or more edits does not improve this movie. As far as who will win, once again, we're all in agreement. La La Land, like it really seems like this is this is La La Land's award. Um, I could see if maybe things end up changing and La La Land doesn't win Best Picture, Moonlight could probably very easily come in and win this award. That will be a big shift in how the evening plays out at the Oscars. So. Next up, we've got Best Costume Design. Uh, I think I'll start this category. My snub is from one of my favorite movies this year, uh, Hail Caesar. That went, it came out in February of last year and went almost completely ignored after that, which is shocking because it's a Coen Brothers movie and Coen Brothers movies, usually the, ho- the Hollywood world usually stops for their movies. They're an, an event upon themselves and all of this, I'm going to talk about them a bit more uh, in the next category that we talk about. But this idea of recreating uh, classic Hollywood movies and having everything period appropriate for that was, I think, so exciting to watch. Uh, as far as who I think should win, I, I think Jackie should win. I loved, you know, everyone knows the iconic pink Chanel suit that Jacqueline Kennedy wears when um, when her husband is assassinated, JFK. But throughout the movie, they really showcase what a style icon she was and really showcase the outfits. And that's almost a character in and of themselves. And because of that i also think jackie will win this award uh Mahek, what about you okay so firstly i, I want to when i look at you know who got nominated i realized that every single film has to do with like period costumes right like it, it's all about this like we're looking at the 1950s or like world war ii era kind of time uh, minus la la land but even that they take a lot of inspiration from you know, the, the fifties and like maybe the sixties a little bit too. When I think of all the, you know, the pretty dresses that Emma, Emma Stone wears and, um, you know, like all the, the sort of eighties gear that Ryan Gosling has later, like it's very, very period based. Full disclosure. Um, it took me about 20 minutes to realize that La La Land was not a period piece movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's tricky, right? Like you, you know, until I realized how much they emphasize people ordering lattes and cappuccinos, I was like, okay, <laughs> we don't really see those in older movies, but, um, you know, they, they kind of trick you for a little while. Um, but I was just thinking, I was like, you know, in line with this entire theme, why didn't hidden figures get nominated for, for the costume, um, costume category? I just, I, I think that the, the work in that film is, 
just as much on par with anything else in this category, especially when I look at like a film like Allied. Um, I and you know I haven't seen Allied, but I've seen enough of the movie to know and you know to note the work on that. And I think that Hidden Figures captured that period just as well. Um, there's a little more vibrancy again to it um, with that film. They really they tried to kind of bring this brightness to it um, in a story that where it seems like there isn't a lot of hope at certain times, or it seems like there are a lot of barriers and um, a lot of tribulations that you're on board with, with these characters. But then you see how, how poised they are as women. And, you know, it's elements like the costumes um, where they have these like really beautiful um, suits that these women are wearing, or, you know, even Maharshal Ali, when he comes in as this, uh, this decorated soldier and, you know, it's a, it's a little bit swoon worthy at the same time. So, (laughs) I was I was kind of surprised that they didn't get in there along with all these other films. Um, I kind of am leaning towards Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them as the film that I think should win. I know that might seem kind of odd, um, but I, I just felt like in terms of approaching this whole wizarding world and creating a marked departure from the, what we already know about J.K. Rowling's you know universe, I think they did a really great job at establishing this new setting and using you know, the 50s costumes to the advantage of doing that and of building this new chapter and this new entry point into Rowling's creations. Um, there is a little, a little bit of familiarity in terms of what we've seen, but I, I just, I love the sort of, there's like a bit of whimsical and then a bit of that 50s style at the same time. So it was kind of a nice mesh and I think it, it played up these characters in the setting um, even more and kind of helped us sub, sub, submerge ourselves into it. Um, who do I think will win? Probably La La Land again. Um, that being said, I, I do, I have a slight part of me that thinks that Jackie might take it because Jackie Kennedy, one of the things that she was most well known for were her clothes and they successfully reflected that, uh, in this adaptation and in this reflection of, um, of her as a person. Um, but I, I think that La La Land, you know, as you just said, Dakota, they did such a good job at kind of convincing you or, you know, making you fall into their you know, into their story that you don't realize what period you're in for a while. And I, I think that's part of the reason why is because of the costume design. Okay. Rachel? So I agree with, I think it was, did you say that you're snubbed for this category is Hail Caesar? I believe you did. I did, yes. That is also mine. Um, and this was kind of interesting for me because we have, I mean, with La La Land, you know, Hollywood likes Hollywood. The Academy likes Hollywood, likes movies that discuss Hollywood. Kind of strange how much this got left out. I think overall the reception for Hail Caesar was not very strong. I think part of it is that there's kind of like, there's this insular nature to Hail Caesar where it makes a lot of jokes about the industry that I think if you don't know much about the history of the industry, you don't get. As someone who studied film, I watched it with someone who hadn't, and there were a lot of moments that I thought there were funny little asides where the person who I was watching with did not get it. And I can see why that kind of, it was not a movie that was as accessible to the general public, and that's why I see it having not been as, success, as successful as their other ones have been. However, I mean, the costuming in this film was fantastic. It's strange that it didn't get nominated, in my opinion. Uh, I don't know. I think it's well done. I'll talk about it again for another one where I think it has been snubbed. Jackie should win. Jackie will win. If Jackie doesn't win, something is wrong. The recreation of these iconic outfits 
is just so sublime and so important for a film like this, where we thinking of who Jackie is, you're right, she's a style icon. It's almost a core part of creating this character on screen, in life, is how she holds herself and the clothes that she wears. So I think it was done flawlessly. It was such, so well done in this film, and that sort of work must be acknowledged. So if Jackie doesn't win this category, I will be pretty shocked and displeased. I got this feeling inside my bones. It goes electric, wavy when I turn it on. All through my city, all through my home. We're flying up, no ceiling when we in our zone. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body when it drops. Ooh, I can't take my eyes off of it. Moving so phenomenally. Moving on to best production design. Um, Rachel, let's just throw it right back to you. Best production design. Uh, Hail Caesar, I think, was snubbed. I think there were there was some great side work. I think, again, it's this kind of, you know, Hollywood production. I think it was done really well. Hail Caesar um, was nominated. Oh, wait, it was nominated. I'm looking at a different place. <laughs> That's their only should. nomination. I think Hail Caesar... Hail Caesar should win. Oh, there we go. Production design. It should win. Um, Hail Caesar should win. Uh, who was I? No, I can't think of one who I really thought was snubbed. I think that the editing... Um, no, I don't know what I'm saying. Hail Caesar should win. I don't think that there was one that I particularly noticed as a snub in this category. Um, I think that when I think of production design for this year, Hail Caesar is something that I think of. I think Arrival also has really good production design, but in a different way, uh, in a more subtle way. And while I am a fan of subtlety, I think that Hail Caesar just, it really, you know, the film was in such large part a production, uh, of its production design, a product of its production design. And I think that it really deserves the win. As for who I think will win, I think it's going to be Hail Caesar or La La Land. Uh, I think La La Land had good production design as well. It doesn't need this. It doesn't need to win this. It doesn't need to win this. It's going to win a lot. I'm not saying it's going to win Best Picture because I don't want to put that out into the universe. But under the assumption that it does, I mean, you know, La La Land is going to clean up. Whether it wins Best Picture or not, we know this. Hail Caesar's production design was done so well. I think it should get this win. I think it should. And maybe it will. Maybe? Question mark? We'll see. Okay. Uh, Mahek, what about you? <laughs> you know, all this talk about Hail Caesar actually re- really reminded me of the film. And now I'm kind of thinking that, yeah, maybe it should. Maybe it should win production design. Um, so you guys are definitely convincing me of this argument and perhaps of the belief that it could win. Um, but as of right now, I don't have any snubs that, you know, nothing really came to mind again for this category. Um, who should win um, at this point or although that might change now um, as well as who will win again is going to be La La Land. Um, I think, you know, a lot has already been said about this film, but again, it just in, in terms of its exploration of Hollywood and of Los Angeles as the city, um, as this place where people come to try and realize these really beautiful dreams, um, 
the entire team behind the entire production team behind this movie really, um, really highlighted these iconic locations and made you believe in this journey and realize it. Right. It's, it's, it's something like, I, I think that La La Land, that what they really get is that whole, that whole concept of the Hollywood dream. And they help realize that through these, through these spots, like the Rialto, like um, the observatory. And it's just, you know, and like Hollywood sets and being on the Warner brothers lot. Like when I think of Hollywood, these are the things that I think of. And I think they just, they were so careful in their set design and in their, in their production um, revolving around those places. So I could see it winning. Yeah. Uh, as far as me, I think uh, an interesting snub was Deepwater Horizon. Uh, I wasn't totally in love with this movie. It was just all right. Uh, a better version than Patriot's Day, and Rachel knows how I feel about Patriot's Day. Um, <laughs> but they basically completely built that uh, oil tanker rig setup from scratch. Uh, so what you see was an actual set that was built, and it apparently is one of the largest single sets ever built for movies which is pretty damn impressive because i just figured that they use an actual um tanker or whatever you want to call it rig and then supplemented that with uh smaller built sets as well so that was basically a fully functioning oil well drilling well uh who should win hail caesar you know that is one of my favorite Mm -hmm. movies of last year uh the idea that they were recreating these classic Hollywood genre movies so that way you would see these movies for about five, ten minutes and then the camera would pull back and then you realize that it was just a set built and they continue showing you how these movies are being made, which is absolutely stunning uh, from, you know, the big biblical epic uh, Hail Caesar, the, the title one that George Clooney is in to the um, Busby Berkeley style um swimming musical sequence that Scarlett Johansson's in to the homoerotic Gene Kelly, Fred Astaire dancing with Channing Tatum. Uh, I feel like I'm the, the, the Western movies to the period drama with uh, Ray Fiennes. It was all so fantastically done. And I was so impressed by that. As far as who will win La La Land, I think Mahek, you really covered that really well as far as what makes that so great along the lines of Hail Caesar. It's, sort of pulling back the curtain of what Hollywood actually looks like of how a movie is made. So I think they did a really good job uh, doing that. And I think um, the clubs that they shot in were, were fantastic at the end. Seb's the earlier one where Ryan Gosling gets kicked out of and, um, and also Emma Stone's apartment, I think was really nice. So now mm-hmm. we're going to move on to best visual effects. So I'll start this one off. I think a big snub was Arrival. You know, you have alien spaceships landing all over the Earth, and they all look interesting and creepy and realistic and monolithic-like. And then on the inside, the actual aliens that are these weird septopods, they're called, and you see these, like, octopus-like tentacles writing on the wall, the glass wall, and... Oh, my gosh. Like, I... Just thinking about that gives me the chills of how amazingly they did that. Um, and it's a damn shame that this was not nominated, and I do not know how they did not get the nomination. As far as who I think should win, I love Doctor Strange Animation. It was like Inception 
on LSD was basically the best way to describe it. You've got like the city folding over itself, but everything has this like clicking talk clock mechanism where everything is like shifting and jittering and making all these interesting moves. And the magic that actually gets done was crazy, but who I think will win, it will probably end up being the jungle book because other than the little boy who played Mowgli, everything was CGI in that movie. And they did a stunning job making talking animals look realistic which was was pretty cool uh and king louis the orangutan was absolutely terrifying um heck let's go to you cool um so i think two films that kind of stood out to me in terms of visual effects uh were the bfg and a monster calls now i I didn't watch the BFG, to be fair, and I know it didn't exactly do the best. However, I do think there was a lot of really elaborate work done um, with the actual giant um, and that CG realization. So, I, you know, it, it would have been interesting to see if it snuck in there. Am I entirely surprised? No. Um, another one that kind of came to mind was A Monster Call. So it's this um, this film with Felicity Jones in it, and uh, it's about this little boy who's kind of dealing with his... Um, mother's coming death and how she's you know her progression with her illness um and he he encounters this monster character who kind of helps him guide guides him through this journey and uh through these emotions of experiencing loss and it's not it was not not only a really beautiful way to tackle that entire experience of losing someone but i i think the actual um visual creations and the the vfx that went into establishing this huge monster that was voiced by liam neeson no less um was really really cool and really elaborate and you know they do this whole thing with this monster kind of emerging from the ground and there are these huge earthquakes and it was it was very (coughs) very cool so i i kind of wish that that got in there am i entirely surprised again no um who should win i think we've been seeing a lot of really interesting work from laika which is this animation house um i haven't seen kubo and the two strings but again, I keep watch on things. I watch clips online. I watch trailers, all that fun stuff. And I've seen some of the other films from the studio. And I, I just feel like as an animation studio, they've been doing a lot of really cool work over the last few years. And I think they should be recognized for it. Um, so I, I think they should win. Uh, that being said, who will win? I have a feeling Doctor Strange might take it. Um, like you said, Dakota, it's all about that Inception style visual effects. Um, I... I actually, like, I remember seeing this on opening weekend, and part of the enjoyment of that film, which is so based in this, like, mystical element, um, was the VFX, and how they kind of spin you around and around from one scene into another, Um, and it was, it was, it was so submersive, like, it it was so cool to be in, Um, so I I think they, I think they will win for that film, Marvel. Okay, Uh, Rachel? So for this, my snub is the same as yours, Dakota. I thought it was strange that Arrival was not nominated, as it is a film about aliens involving aliens done so interestingly and brilliantly, where there are these towering figures, and when, um, I won't give much away, but when when Amy Adams' character does see them, it's still through the fog, so things are not distinct, but you... They have this real air of presence, and they're just fantastically done. I was super impressed, surprised it wasn't given a nomination. Now, I have seen Kubo and the Two Strings. I follow Laika closely, and they are great. Um, Just this kind of amazing attention to detail and stop motion is something that is not seen anymore, and I'm so happy they're bringing it back. 
And I think it really deserves this win. Uh, I'm going to talk about it more later when we talk about animation, but it's just a fantastically done film in so many ways. Really, Laika is just becoming stronger with every every film they produce. It's not going to win. I wish it did, but Old Man Shakes Fist at Sky, that's not how the Academy works <laughs> with something like visual effects. It's going to go to a movie where you point to it and go, oh, that's very obviously visual effects, right? If Kubo won, there'd be a lot of people saying, but that's not visual effects, that's animation. Not understanding that dichotomy between stop motion manipulation and, you know, your more traditionally thought of forms of animation. So it's not going to win. I actually agree with Mahek. I think Doctor Strange is going to win because it's kind of this show of, ooh, visual effects, very cool, Inception style, I agree. However, I can see your point, Dakota. I can see the Jungle Book maybe taking this one. This is kind of, I feel like as long as your film screams visual effects and it's done well, um, you can win this category. And I think both Doctor Strange and um, The Jungle Book did that. I also think Kubo did, but not in the same way, which is why I think it will win. Okay. So, moving on, now we're going to talk about Best Cinematography. We're getting to some really interesting, bigger categories now. Um, Mahek, let's start with you for this one. Sure. So, I'm a real sucker for natural landscapes and how those are, um, how those are captured in film. Um, so, two films that kind of stuck out to me when I was thinking about... Um, thinking about, you know, potential snubs for this category, um, are two kind of forgotten films, I think. Uh, the first is The Light Between Oceans, which is based on a book. It was a, it was produced by Disney. Um, the film adaptation was produced by Disney. Um, it kind of fell off the radar, I think. Um, there was a little bit of hype around it. It had a debut at Cannes and all this fun stuff. Um, but they, they had, the cinematography in that film was really beautifully done. Um, it captured you know, all these beautiful landscape shots of New Zealand and Australia. That's where the film was shot. Although in the film, they say it's Australia, but I just, I, you know, when I think of New Zealand, obviously I think of Lord of the Rings and that film captured so many beautiful elements to the country. Um, um, in this film, they do it with a little bit less emphasis on the visual effects, but still, I think they, they caught some of the simplicity of sort of the countryside, which was really nice. And then in the lobster, um, they shot in various parts of the UK and there's this really great part, um, done in the forest and, uh, in this one forest, I think it was in Ireland, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and it's just, it's so beautifully captured. Um, and that too has to do with the editing of that particular scene as well. But I, I just, I kind of love like the use of that environment. So I was, I was a little disappointed that those didn't get in there. Um, but looking at our actual nominees, uh, who do I think should, like, which film do I think should win? It, my books, it would definitely go to Moonlight. Um, I, as much as I am a sucker for landscape and nature, I am also, you know, really in love with films that capture the spirit of cities incredibly well. Um, and I think with Moonlight, there's this whole sort of subculture to Miami that is based in, the city in, in the urban environments in sort of the ghetto environments or the more impoverished areas as well. Um, and I think that really was captured really well, um, in, in the film. And again, it, you know, we, we, you felt it, um, pretty continuously and seamlessly through each block of the story. Um, and you got exposed to these different parts of it. I mean, the first part we, we encounter sort of 
the um, the home that Chiron lives in and with his mother, who's kind of, <coughs> she's kind of running her own activities out of the house. The second it's this, this high school and, you know, in the ocean, which is so central to the life in Florida, in Miami, is just having these really peaceful moments there. And then later on, um, when we see Chiron driving and, you know, he's in the restaurant, it just, it just felt like they captured that so beautifully. Who do I think will, like, which film do I think will win? Again, it will probably go to La La Land. Like I mentioned for production design, I think they, they really captured the spirit of Los Angeles um, beautifully in that film. And I, I think it's just, you know, Hollywood loves Hollywood, as Rachel said. And I just think they're going to be suckers for that one. So <laughs> that's very true. Uh, Rachel, what about you? All right. So I also agree that I like pretty landscapes. So, going off that, and not for the last time in this episode, I think this was fun for the wilder people. Truly, it's a beautiful film. Um, you know, you're seeing these forests in New Zealand up in the mountainous regions. It is breathtaking. And I think, if only for that reason, it really is beautiful. It's beautifully done, and I love it. And I wish that it had gotten more acknowledgement. That is my snub. Who should win and who will win is Moonlight. Um, the cinematography is not just there to capture what's happening. It is a player. It is a character that plays on the light. Um, the way that it captures these moments. Dakota, um, you and I talked in a previous um, podcast about the idea of the lighting in Moonlight. Going off the name, the light being that character uh, as well, an active character in the plot. Uh I, again, with the colors, I think the color is this wonderfully used tool in the cinematography of this film, um, th this play. And I mean, yes, that does have to do with lighting, but if you don't capture it correctly, it's not going to be effective. And it's just so effective. And it's varied, too. It's right. It's not, you know, shaky. It's not one thing the whole way through. It's not a steady cam. It's not shaky cam. It's not this or that continuously, which when we look at a film like La La Land, it is. You know, it's a pretty... The cinematography is more or less there to capture what's happening. Yes, there are some, you know, this is another thing, and I've addressed this before. A big thing people say about um, La La Land is, oh, well, there's, like, these continuous shots, da-da-da-da. And so the Academy sees that, and it goes, oh, tricks. We're going to give you this because tricks. Tricks does not mean good cinematography, guys. Just because you can do something and show that you can doesn't mean you have to. Just because Moonlight does more subtle things than La La Land does not make it any worse. It actually makes it a lot better, uh, in my opinion. So I think it should win, and I'm going to say that it will win. I'm going to say that for this one, the Academy is going to acknowledge that La La Land is a good film. It's a great film. Maybe it'll win Best Picture. We'll see. But the camera was not an active participant in that film. It was there to capture the action in Moonlight. The camera was as much a participant as anything else, and it brought together a beautiful story. Yeah, I think you, uh, you're very right about all that. Uh, for me, I think my snub is The Neon Demon. Wasn't really all that thrilled with it. Um, the, the latest film um, from Drive, the, the same director who did Drive. Uh, but he seems to be really honing in on his aesthetic looks, even if that means completely pushing story to the wayside. 
It's called the Neon Demon, and it looks like a Neon Demon. His use of, of lights and colors and palettes is just so stunning, and the way he shoots it all is just is just fantastic. The opening sequence of uh, El Fanning having what looks like uh, sparkles, glitter glued on her face, and then blood dripping out of her head in this long, gorgeous gown with these big, bright lights on her. It was just shot so wonderfully. And then there's a scene later where she's painted in all gold. It's just very beautiful. Um, the movie is is not great by any means. It's got some really interesting things going on. And it's really a bit of a tough watch at times because, one, of the gore, and two, because uh, it's slow and plotless for most of it. So I don't exactly recommend it unless you're a Nicholas Winding Refn fan. Uh, even then, it's a bit of a slog, but cinematography is easily the best part of that movie and probably one of the best all year. Uh, that said, who I think should win in this category? Moonlight. What it really does, what it really achieves, the lighting that it evokes so much emotion is just is just so moving and, and very integral to the story. Uh, I'm I, I'm ready to flip a coin to say if Moonlight will, will win or La La Land will win. As of right now, you're going to get me on record saying I think La La Land will win. Um, I think. Uh, do, pretty bad vibes into the universe, Dakota. Do not hold this against me, or yeah. me for that matter, because I <laughs> my predictions are the you. exact same. Um, I'm gonna say La La Land for right now will win, only because one of the things that I appreciated about this movie is if feels like it was really indebted to West Side Story. And I really like the way West Side Story was shot in the sense of that you know that it's filmed on a sound stage because they're able to use the color palettes in the lights to really adjust and change the mood depending on how each beat is going. And I think La La Land was directly influenced by the lighting and cinematography of West Side Story in order to capture it. It's really most notable in a couple places, one of them being Emma Stone's apartment, and then the other being uh, the first club that uh, Sebastian, Ryan Gosling's character, plays at. Um where I think that's where it's really specific. We also, Rachel, you and I talked about uh, the idea of more cinematography doesn't mean better cinematography, and La La Land definitely has more cinematography than other ones. Uh, we had talked about the the scene where uh, the camera is whipping back and forth between Sebastian playing, and I'm blanking on what Emma Stone's character's name is, her, uh, her dancing, going back and forth, back and forth. I think that was a really beautiful, brilliant shot, uh, but that definitely is more cinematography than some of the other films, so I think that's why it might end up winning. Thank you.
concludes the first part of our Oscar prediction extravaganza. Make sure you tune in on Thursday when part two will be coming out. I want to give special thank you to both Rachel Gordon and Mahek Saeed for joining me on this episode and talking about who they think will win. Please check out liveinlimbo.com where all of our predictions will be listed uh, along with uh, the music that was played during this episode. So thank you so much for listening and I hope you tune in for part two.